everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. Stove Leg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 118th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn, coming to you live from my man cave in Millsboro, Delaware. This week, we have Nick Carey, former minor league baseball jack-of-all-trades and the host and creator of the American Ballpark Road Trip Show on YouTube. Go check that out as well. If you like this episode, make sure to go back and listen to all the older ones. Um, There's amazing guests and stories back there for everyone. So go check those out. If you want to shout out, the best way is to drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. But I definitely encourage you to drop a rating on whatever platform you're listening on, um, whether that's Spotify or something else. Um, yeah, that just drives a bu- drive drives us up the charts a little bit there. Um, and then if you're not already, make sure to go follow the designated Twitter account for the podcast at Pulling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the show, and that's how you can reach out about becoming a guest as well. And um, if there's any businesses that are looking for a unique sponsorship, that's how they can reach out too. Uh, and you, if you guys really want to, you can also follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. Guys, we do have merchandise. I should really tweet the link out a little bit more. Um, but you can now get Pulling Tart Podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art. Uh, you can find that on the link in our bio um, on the Pulling Tart Podcast Twitter account. Or you can go to tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. Guys, I want to share a little bit of life news with you, and it does tie into minor league baseball as well. Um, I'm going to be a dad, and uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm going to be a dad to a little girl in February. She'll be here at the end of February sometime, and um, it's a funny story, actually. So, I was on a business trip down in Virginia, and... um, I went to a minor league baseball game. I went to a Richmond Flying Squirrels game. Uh, shout out to Samantha McCloskey uh, for uh, hooking me up with that ticket. And um, my wife was back home in Delaware, and she called me during the middle of the game and said, uh, can you go somewhere quiet? Well, um, for anybody that's been to a Richmond Flying Squirrels game, I don't know if there really is anywhere quiet. Uh, there was 9,000 people there. Uh, so yeah, I, <laughs> I found a little corner and that's where she told me that, uh, we were having a little baby. So, um, yeah, so that is exciting. Um, uh, but yeah, just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, 
and yeah, yeah, it's just super excited, a little nervous as well, um, but with all that being said, let's chat with recurring guest now, Nick Carey. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. Nick, welcome back on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. I think you are now the second recurring guest. Uh, what have you been up to since we last chatted? I think that was about two years ago. You were with the Burlington Bees. Yeah, thank you for having me back on, Bobby. It, it's amazing to be uh, uh, be a, in the few. I hope you have more recurring guests. I'm a, a Pulling Tart listener. It, it's in my regular oh, podcast rotation, you. so always listening and uh yeah, there are definitely some guests I'd like to see what they're up to as well. But uh, for me, yeah, it's been about a little over two years now, actually. And I was with the Burlington Bees, uh, formerly the Midwest League, now the Prospect League. It's College Summer League and mm. had some experience in that. But we got through the pandemic, uh, got in, in the preparations for another season after that. And I decided to take um, my career on the road again. And I had the opportunity to become an assistant general manager with the college summer team, the Sharks in Wilmington, North Carolina. And after about eight months there, I was feeling some some front office burnout and decided to take some time, spend some time with my family, pursue some other projects that I'd been uh, conceptualizing and, and had in the back of my mind that that wonderful work schedule week to week of minor league baseball doesn't uh, doesn't give you too much opportunity to do those side projects sometimes. So, uh, yeah, since then, went went to North Carolina, spent fewer days at the beach than I would have preferred to have for living on, on the coast, especially yeah. a coastal town like Wilmington, and then uh, got close to the family, took some, some break time, and ended up in back in the Nashville, Tennessee area, where I'm a, a field marketing manager for a uh, up-and-coming soccer training company. All right. All right, that is exciting you are explaining the the company a little bit and dude that sounds pretty cool um yeah so i can't can't wait to look into that um can you remind the listeners what what all you did or didn't do that would probably be easier to explain um when you worked in minor league baseball um yeah i mean just to remind me well you were very young general manager in minor league baseball. So yeah, go into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, and I love being a, being a listener to the podcast. I love the titles. Uh, you, you, you're able to to pick a quote that'll uh, catch the eye. That's part of the, the content creation try, process. But mine was, I didn't want this to be my ice town yeah. in the, the reference to uh, Ben from parks and rec. And yeah. uh, that was true. So yeah, I um, had aspired to work in, in, professional baseball specifically since basically since I was 12, 
to 14 years old and grew up going to Chattanooga Lookouts games. And uh, they were still kind of the standard for, for minor league baseball and their promotions when I was a kid going to Ingalls Stadium. And yeah. uh, that was during the summers. I grew up in Missouri, but most of my time was in Tennessee. So I'm a Tennessean by nature. But yeah, um, decided I wanted to work in baseball, got in the operations side went to school at Middle Tennessee State University and was a student manager there. So did everything from grounds to equipment to uh, doing some stat keeping and a uh, little bit of PA work and became a, an unpaid AGM in college summer ball right. one summer as an intern and then went into a full-time internship with an Astros rookie affiliate right out of college did everything under the sun there, including some play-by-play broadcasting and media relations, um, was a mascot. It was Orbit's cousin. His name was Gizbo. Okay. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it was a mascot up until then, uh, for a little bit as well, among all the other things I did in baseball and then became a fresh faced 22 year old general manager in minor league baseball with the Princeton Rays in 2016 and was essentially a one-man front office with a groundskeeper that I shared with the school district because he, we collectively kind of uh, covered the paycheck for, for him. But aside from that, it was me and the interns I hired and the game day staff I hired. So uh, at 22 years old, I walked into a place where the previous GM had been there for over 15 years and uh, had to encounter some some of those those trappings of not only being a young person in a demanding industry like the sports industry and, and minor league baseball, but also yeah. a very small town in uh, in the midst of some some economic troubles with the coal industry having kind of a fall as well. But sure. uh, went yeah went from that um, took a job in sponsorship sales with the team. Did not sell a lot of sponsorships. Did a lot of operational work and, okay. and helped out a lot of other departments. So uh, got part of got to be part of turnover for the first time in my career at 23 years old at that point. And um, yeah, then rebounded, became a consultant for a summer with a a prospect league team in in Quincy, Illinois, and brought my operational know-how and capacity to them. Parlayed that into working for the Burlington Bees for the better part of two years and one baseball season and got chopped yeah. in there with the the pandemic but uh, then took the opportunity in in wilmington and uh for eight months got to to live on the coast and and do some coastal life and uh go be in the front office every day and a um a team that was really kind of operating like like a rookie level team right i would have grown up seeing so uh, had some great opportunities did some play-by-play there ended up um we staged kind of inspired by one of my baseball heroes, Charlie Finley. We, uh, Major League Baseball announced all the sticky stuff regulations, and I conceptualized a salute to sticky stuff night in Wilmington, and they said, well, there's only one person of the three in the front office who looks like they could still be a baseball player, so let's figure this out. So we did a gimmick where I uh, had a big kind of Jesus beard and and flowing hair, put on a fake walk-up song, put out a fake press release, and I went, got thrown through two warm-up pitches and got thrown out of the game after two warm-up pitches <laughs> and uh, had a had a, a fanny pack stuffed full of sticky stuff and uh, had a fun night with it as well. Right. So got to do everything uh, in That's baseball cool. and then uh, obviously pulling tarp at every stop along the way too as, as fits the podcast title. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we've all we've all uh, pulled some tarp and we've all been a mascot for sure. Um, yeah, dude, you're you're like yeah. It would have been easier for you to say what you haven't done. It like like I said, um, you've done a little bit of everything, and it's incredible. I mean, you started very young, obviously. Um, what you've been able to accomplish is is amazing. Um, but so the in that industry in the minor league baseball industry that we were both a part of you see a lot of talented individuals i don't mean to pat myself on the back but you see a lot of talented individuals like you and myself that leave the industry um and you know there's a couple of different reasons why that happens i guess what for you made you want to leave minor league baseball yeah, and it's it's not back patting on your part. I mean, to, to get this podcast where where it's been, and have uh, um, spoken to the people and gotten the insight that you have, I, I think it's definitely worth worth a pat on the back. And surviving, uh, having survived Burlington, Iowa, and being part of a four person front office and tarp pulls there, among among other things, and contraction and or excuse me, reorganization of minor league sure. baseball. And, yeah. Um, so no, it, it's uh, surviving Beloit the, the same way. Yeah. Um, but it, like you said, it's a demanding industry. So for me, it was a matter of uh, on the personal side, having really since I went to college seven months, seven miles, I wish it was seven miles, seven hours away from um, my parents, a little bit closer to my, my grandparents who were a second set of parents to me. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd spent a lot of time on basically on the road every year or two living living out of the back of of my old jeep just to uh, make it work in minor league baseball yeah. most of my career not having health benefits which when you go into a global health crisis that's Isn't something it? you yeah. definitely think about no matter how physically healthy you are right and uh there's an emotional toll to it and i think yeah. we've um you know i i haven't shared a story a lot but i i, I was in a really dark place uh, after being uh, let go from from the team that I worked for in in 2017 uh, into to 18 before I took on kind of a consulting role and decided to to have fun with it and uh, just take this baseball industry thing as far as I could no matter what level of baseball was so mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I, I was in a dark spot in terms of mental health. And uh, so that made me even more conscious about my mental well-being wherever I was, yeah. not just my, my physical well-being too, of the really the, the toll your body takes working uh, the hours and, yeah. and on a lack of sleep like you do in minor league baseball. So it was those things. Uh, and then on the personal side, just wanting to getting a little bit closer to, to 30 and wanting to be closer to, to my family and being able being able to start a family of my own and geographically for one time in my life, not being completely attached to a team and, and it's will and whim, but being where I've physically wanted to be as well. So uh, yeah, those things contributed to it and then good opportunities come down the road. Um, I, I, I like my job right now, but uh, if, uh, if a minor league team, um, put that, that salary package together or something and, uh, it, it looked good as a fit, it, would definitely be for me and my experience worth jumping back in but sure. uh right now it's uh i'm where i want to be and, and being where i want to be and doing what i want to do so uh yeah it's it's a great industry to work in but sometimes you got to take that step back and um 
have the personal side to it as well to to know you are where you want to be yeah yeah um yeah i i get you man it's uh you know the reasons i left were essentially i i knew i was gonna get married and i was spending all my time at the ballpark and um i i mean i've talked about this before i mean i've Working in minor league baseball, it doesn't matter how many hours I worked, I never even sniffed 40K ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, had been working eight years and had been directors and managers of this and that. And um, I just didn't see, you know, the the ladder. I didn't see me going up the ladder at the particular organization that I was at. I didn't really want to move at that point um because i had met my wife and um yeah and then of course i always i knew that i wanted to start a family as well which um i announced in the opener you know the that that is happening in february um so yeah in in late february a little little girl will be here it's a funny story actually um you'll have to listen back but um i was actually at a minor league game out like I was on a business trip and I was at a minor league game mm-hmm. when my wife called me and told me that um, her pregnancy test came back positive. So, um, so oh, yeah, that, that, it's going to be a baseball baby. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's just preordained from there, man. Yeah, uh, congratulations on that. Thank and, you. Um, it's, yeah, it's a shame just because you know there's uh, you I you know I'm friends with people who've been on the show and you know people who i've worked with and very talented individuals um that i feel like front offices need and they're leaving the industry because of the reasons that you and i discuss so yeah and i I was looking uh you know i thought about this maybe it's something that happens maybe not um but i've i've kept i've been to tons and tons of baseball games over time being a fan before i got in the industry and um you know, I sometimes I go back if I had an interview or I remember having an interview with somebody even for an internship when I was coming out of college. Mm-hmm. If I remember their name, I'll go back and try to look them up on LinkedIn or, yeah. or social media somewhere. And I, I just think, man, are they the industry still? Because if there aren't very many, you know, 15, 20 year holdouts anymore. No. Um, yeah, we were talking about um Todd Barney Parnell with with Richmond. I mean, the amount of time that guy has put in in, in minor league baseball, and uh, the amount of teams he's worked with and and been with and provided baseball to communities. There are very few of those you know lifers on the minor league front office side anymore. So, I thought about man, you got to get a Facebook or, or some sort of group together with with all these people to to share that generational to generational yeah. experience of working in the game, but. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a matter of taking some time and, and uh, searching some people out. But I think it'd just be it would be awesome to to be able to talk with somebody who worked. You know, I worked in Burlington, who worked in Burlington yeah. in the '80s or or the '70s when they were around the team. Just because a lot of those people either stay local or they were hired local and have come right. to the team from there. So, okay. uh, but yeah, it's it's tough to see um, you you celebrate people's successes even outside the industry, but mm-hmm. it's tough to see them go when you know they were great baseball people too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. I I was watching American Ballpark Road Trip. It was awesome. Uh, what made you want to start that? Uh, yeah, it's something that I conceptualized really, I mean, for years. Um, 
2017 was probably the first time I really thought about doing it, thinking it was possible. But uh, if you want to go to the real genesis of it, if I can try to do a four minute, five minute history of it, um, I found a book years ago at a used bookstore in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area called uh, Mud Hens to Mavericks. And it was essentially a travel guide to minor league baseball published in like 1994. Okay. And so I thought it was a novelty at that point. It was just so cool because immediately I go to the Chattanooga Lookouts and they still played at Ingle Stadium. And I was like, oh, this is the stuff that I saw when I was four or five, not registering it in my memory. Yeah. And thinking, oh, there had to have been an audience for this book for somebody to publish it. Mm-hmm. So then reading through all of that, I'm thinking, so somebody decided to publish a travel guide. Now you can kind of find them everywhere you find a, a ballpark travel guide or a minor league baseball travel guide at a, at a Barnes and Noble or yeah. off of Amazon books. But um, at that point you had to be committed to minor league baseball to want to take a road trip and need a, a 250 page travel guide of this is where to stay. This is where you get off the highway to get to the ballpark. Yeah. So um, that morphed and this was way before um actually way after I started uh, doing road trips with my grandfather. Uh, I think I, it was 2008, so I was going into my f- sophomore year of high school. Okay. And uh, he was retiring out of uh, education as a, as a high school principal, so shout out to the educators in the world who are, yeah. who are doing it and uh, keep doing it year after year. But he was just retiring. He had... I'd grown up him taking me to games, whether it was Chattanooga, they lived in Northwest Missouri. So they were, we were going to Omaha Royals games. They were just stacked with Royals prospects um, and then trying to squeak in a a minor league game wherever we could. So I saw Bull Durham as an eighth grader, end of my freshman year had, had other stuff I was doing. Um, But then I decided let's go see a couple major league and a couple minor league teams. Uh, it's really easy when somebody else is footing the bill for it, especially yeah. when they, they've just retired. So they have that, um, that income to be able to do it. And, uh, so that started, uh, basically 08 to 2014, we did a road trip every year, uh, started with four. It was, um, I was just looking them up today because I kept scorecards and it's just funny to see how I learned to score and yeah. and continue to learn how to score and have my own system when I go to a ballpark today. Okay. And um, so, yeah, from, from 08 to 2014, we went on a road trip every year and came back around when I was technically out of the baseball industry, college summer season ended. Uh, the team that I was working with in 2018 didn't need my services anymore. So I put together an, another road trip and said, Hey, let's go do this. So, I thought we always go to a town, you stay in a hotel, we find a local restaurant, we go to the ballpark, we check out the sites if we have time before the game. So it's like, why isn't somebody doing this? And of course, um, I grew up, you know, PBS was on at some point in the afternoon being a Wishbone fan. I'm a Wishbone book collector as an adult, no shame. so Wishbone or Dragon Tales would kick off and then it would go to, you know, the quote unquote old people stuff. It'd go to like Rick Steve's travelogue shows. Um, so I'm sure that had some subcon- subconscious influence on sure. me because I 
eventually when I conceptualize this show and I'm thinking, all right, I don't know where my next stop in baseball is going to be. How do I stay connected to the game? Oh, I could just make a travel show like Rick Steves, except instead of going down the Rhine in, in Germany, I can go to a ballpark and yeah. show off the site here and there. Okay. Uh, and there are, I, you know, so much praise to the content creators that have already done it. A lot of what I found when I was scouting out, does anybody do this? A lot of people visit just to say they've been to a ballpark to buy the souvenir, to enjoy the game. And then they'll post something on Instagram. Maybe they'll post a, a video or a reel somewhere. But a lot of the other content I found was stadium reviews, or this is what concession to look for. This is, um, the, you know, the beer costs a little more than you'd pay here or here. So yeah. um, there wasn't anything that I found that was dedicated outside of maybe a, a podcast or a visual podcast format. Mm -hmm. uh, like uh, Let's Get Two is is the one that I, I cite a lot that's more of a podcast with some visual elements to it, and they do a great job. But I didn't see any actual minor league travel logs okay. or minor league, you know, set up like a, a 15 to 30 minute TV episode that you would watch where you see a couple sites, you see the ballpark, you see the game action, how it relates to the fans, how that community embraces that team. And then um, doing a, doing a wrap up from there. So I got out of baseball again, decided to take some time in this past off season, I guess you'd say, mm -hmm. uh, when I left Wilmington and said, where would I go as a furthest reach right now with my income that not many ballpark fans or, or baseball fans are going to think, yeah. God, I can go watch baseball. And then I decided San Juan, Puerto Rico. Yeah, man, that, I mean, that was, I would imagine, you know, that was quite the experience. I mean, you're, you're still in a, you know, American territory, but again, but you're in, you know, latin america i guess kind of sort of mm -hmm. and um yeah i mean you don't speak the language uh, maybe you do a little bit but not not a you know fluently but um yeah man how, how just how was puerto rico in general i mean obviously i watch the videos maybe not everybody else has i encourage them to watch the videos though so yeah, the um, I got so much content, had to split up the first episode in, into two parts. Um, apologies for the shoddy production value, just because it's you know it's anybody's pilot, anybody's first time going out. I like. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to do more with with showing behind the scenes stuff. Of there is prep that I put into this. I research and put an itinerary together for every trip, whether it's a day trip or five days in Puerto Rico, like, like we did, but, uh, yeah, Puerto Rico, it's, it's, I mean, it's paradise. Yeah. I, I can't find a reason why it should not be a 51st state. Um, so if my, right. my not so controversial, controversial take when we first spoke was Joe Torrey for commissioner of baseball, yeah. this one is Puerto Rico for 51st state, okay. please. Um, yeah, just just add it on because it, it's amazing. It, it's paradise. Um, and really coming out of a pandemic, I, I guess we're still in it in, in some ways, yeah. but um, we wore masks. We we had to get a, a COVID test to mm -hmm. just to get on the ground there. But um, I think the what we discovered, we were thinking it's really a, a tourist destination. We're going to pay tourist prices. 
really, we figured out that the plane fees and ticket fees were really the hardest thing for us when we got on the ground there. It was no different from being in a city. Um, so yeah, it was, it was absolute paradise for, um, for all intents and purposes, just because I, I, like I said, in my show prep, I schedule out days. Like we are staying near a beach. Now that we know where we're staying, we're doing a beach day Then we'll go to the ballpark. Then we'll see these museums then we'll go to a ballpark another day get a little more beach time in the morning or the afternoon and then we depart from there but uh it yeah it's an amazing place i encourage anybody to visit because you're right it's on on the borderline because it's an american territory it's extremely americanized there are a ton of bojangles for for people cool yeah ton of bojangles um pretty much the fast food chain's there what you find anywhere else in in the u.s um and 24-hour supermarkets as well so um but yeah there's there's that but then they speak spanish it 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 is a caribbean island it's um it's a beach island in in one part and um it is mountainous in another part so uh, there's so much kind of diversity to it yeah. but at the same time it has that creature comforts for for the general or casual american tourist as well and um yeah i'm That's not crazy. a strong spanish language speaker so um i had on I, I had a cheat sheet on my interview questions sure had had them in english had them in spanish the first one was uh hable inglés you know do you speak english how well do you speak english do you speak spanish but understand english yeah how can we do that so um the front offices both places or the front office folks that I connected with both places we visited for that first episode in Puerto Rico was, uh, they were extremely helpful. And, and, uh, really the only question I ask it when I do an initial outreach to a front office is, um, who do you recommend I speak to? And can I speak to somebody from your front office? It doesn't have to be your general manager. They have, they may not have time for that, but if you've got an account executive, who's a local, let me That's ask cool. them five minutes worth of questions of what baseball is to this community and vice versa. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. I encourage everybody, um, to, to go check out American ballpark. Um, what, what was it again? I'm sorry. American, American ballpark, ballpark road tour. trip. Yeah. yeah. American ballpark road trip. Excuse me. Goodness. Um, yeah, I, I was just, I was telling you, I just rewatched, um, the three episodes last night. I watched them when they came out, but but yeah, man, very, very knowledgeable. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just really cool to see, you know, the different culture and, um, and then you went to some place in, in Kentucky as well. And we're going to get to that, but, um, but yeah, dude, yeah. uh, the Puerto, Puerto Rico was a big first episode for sure. Um, oh, I loved it. Definitely. Definitely. The, uh, and, and I, I mentioned it in one of the interviews, I believe in, um, the second part of the first episode where I said, where else can you watch baseball? You'll have a chance of seeing a major leaguer playing winter ball in December. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We went the last weekend of the year or the last week of the year. We literally got off the plane. We're driving back from the Atlanta airport home and it was new year's day. We, you know, that wow. was the, the time transition. So we got, to be part of that two weeks basically where everything administrative or everything government operated in Puerto Rico 
kind of just shuts down because it's the two weeks between Christmas and New Year's and Three Kings Day as well. Okay, cool, cool. That's awesome. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear. But we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast. All right, man. Welcome back. <laughs> um, All right. Yep. I I feel like you would appreciate this. So a lady that I work with, her um, her whole family are really big Orioles fans. I'm I'm in mm-hmm. I live in Birdland now. So um, but so th- what they did was, and I think they're going to accomplish it. So his freshman year, uh, so her son's freshman year, they decided that. They wanted to see the Orioles play at every major league park. And this is his senior year. And, of course, COVID kind of put a mm-hmm. put a screwball in there for, for them. But I think they're going to do it. Um, so, yeah, so they've actually been to every major yeah. league park except for, I think, two now. I think they have to go to the White Sox. Or no, they have to go to Wrigley. And in Kansas City, okay. So yeah, the, um, Kansas City, you can refer them to um, American Ballpark Road Trip Minnesota. So Ooh. number number two, that okay. was uh, a Kauffman Stadium one. Um, okay. I took my bought my dad uh, Royals tickets because we're I grew up Royals fan and Royals and Braves because we were going to Royals games growing up and then. When I was down here in Tennessee during the summer, there were four channels at the house my great grandfather built. That I, um, when I was spending summers with them, we had ABC, NBC, CBS, TBS, yeah. and Braves baseball. Four o'clock, five o'clock every day pregame show starts. Yep. So, um, but yeah, I bought my dad um, his birthday is the twenty third. Jackie Robinson Day is on the fifteenth of April. So I bought him tickets and decided to do a mini-sode. Um, I didn't okay. ever intend to do a major league ballpark, yeah. but I'm like, this is something special because it was the 75th anniversary of yeah. Robinson reintegrating major league baseball. Sure. So did some special things there. Um, I'm a Negro leagues baseball guy. Like I've seen one Negro leagues author who got to meet all these players just because nobody else was really contacting them yeah um when he did um but so being a buck o'neill guy just vicariously through that found an usher who worked in the the hall of fame and she was saying yeah i was assigned a buck o'neill section where his seat was every game so i he he knew me and he always remembered my name because he has a story about satchel page and it includes the name nancy my name's nancy so she's going through this whole story and i just kind of got my camera out and recorded her and i said how do you spell your last name i'd love to put you on my show with this little episode i'm doing but uh so no i think i think your co-worker will get it done um from what i saw 
what the the MLB release next year will be the first year that every team plays every other team somehow or kind of begins that cycle yeah i think so yeah that's pretty crazy but yeah i thought i thought you'd appreciate that they've they've gone all over man it's pretty cool Um, i counted i i made it to 11 and in researching kind of all the road trips we went on i was trying to remember god where did we go in 2009 for this road trip or where did we go in 2010 and then i started counting because i've never counted all right. the places I've been. I'm not a ballpark chaser like that. I just yeah, you just go. Loved, yeah. love to go and travel, and and then you know baseball ends up being the main reason I'm there. But uh, eleven major league ballparks, and between well twelve actually because Old Bush and uh, saw games at, at Turner, okay. and so so I guess. Uh, what what is it 11 11 active two non-active major league okay. ballparks Very so cool. got it got a third of them down i um feel like i got some ones that are a little bit tougher tougher to get to travel yeah. to but i think i've only been to let me think one two three four five six uh seven I think I've only been to seven major league ballparks. Yeah. I've been to two, especially if you count winter meetings and things. I've been to three big league. Those are only game, only ballparks where I've seen games because I saw Petco in San Diego for the winter meetings. The yeah. first time I went to the winter meetings job fair, I went um, when I was in between Princeton as a GM, Bowling Green as director of corporate sponsorships. We went to Nationals Park. The winter meetings were there that year. We walked outside Tampa Bay, uh, the Dome there. Uh, trying to think where else we've been. Where we can, and then been past Coors Field, kind of walked and taken pictures around it. So I've been to four that weren't a game. So okay. I don't, I don't really. I have that kind of baseball traditionalist deal. If I were a ballpark chaser, counting them yeah. for measure like that, I don't count them if I haven't seen the game in them. Yeah. Okay, um, so I'm a big, um, f- you know, fan of the food at ballparks. Um, so I gotta ask you: Was the food mm-hmm. better at the ballparks in Puerto Rico or in the U.S.? Ooh, um, or just different? Maybe I don't know. It was uh, a little bit different offerings um, because. There, it, it is a Caribbean culture, so yeah. you know the nachos are are nachos, but nachos are kind of an Americanized dish anyway. Right. Uh, we fell in love with um, not empanadas, empadillas. So you could get them. Basically, um, I always got a pizza flavored one or a chicken flavored one, okay. uh, where it's a calzone with instead of a pizza crust, it's a little flakier. It's like a pastry crust. Yeah, yeah. Um, we went to uh, see a game at Hiram Bithorn Stadium, uh, home of the Kingueros de Santurce. And so I they're partially owned, I guess almost majority owned now by Daddy Yankee, the, the cool. musical artist. So there's a lot of Daddy Yankee being played. But okay. I was looking and I'm like, Did, has he done any exclusive songs to do with the team? Just um, trying to... to it's been a couple months now, so trying to refresh my mind on it, and it 
there are like three pictures in a row on on his Instagram or in his YouTube shorts of him uh, eating an empanada. So like, oh yeah, they're they're definitely good. But okay. um, yeah, they're they're it's ballpark fair. I'm sure it's expanded a lot more now that they're going into a full season, not having the pandemic restrictions, but yeah, we fell in love with, with those. And, um, I took, I went with my, with my mom and my girlfriend. So, um, my girlfriend loves plantains. Okay. I just learned to love plantains too. Yeah, um, I like plantains. been a, always been a big, big, um, fan of of cuban culture not just the baseball culture yeah. i would love to visit cuba someday uh whether it's baseball related or not so maybe that's where my my taste for plantains came from but okay. um, so yeah you um we had a few opportunities just to try some different ballpark stuff but it for us it was typical ballpark fair so hopefully we get back in the future and and try some different things they have to offer okay. down there very cool very cool yeah i learned that i like plantains um, because my wife makes me do whole 30 once a year. And, mm. um, that's one of the things, and she, of course she picked it like during football season. Um, so, um, my snack during football games was plantain chips and guac. Um, so always, always very good, but, um, yeah. Um, so, um, I was, so again, watching the, the episodes last night, and one of the things that I thought was cool um, was that the games had a band, like a live band during the games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you, what are your what's your stance on that? Do you think bands should play during baseball games in the U.S.? Oh, um, I I asked um, asked my girlfriend. She's a because she's a diehard baseball fan too. She's a St. Louis Cardinals fan, so okay. um, she was very happy last night when uh, when they came back against the Braves but um so yeah I I asked her and uh I was like how did you feel about it just to so I would have a, a well-formed opinion of of those of us in in the group who were there um she said oh yeah I'm all for it and okay. I'm 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 the same um I enjoy it. it it is something completely unique I know uh when I've watched um Nippon leagues the Japanese yeah. major league there it is a noisy environment there's so much noise and that just adds to that atmosphere it, it's almost um timely for when we're recording this it's almost a world cup atmosphere yeah. just um every game i can only imagine what it's like when the ballparks are packed there were capacity limits when we were in puerto rico so uh yeah i i enjoyed it uh hiram bithorn stadium and and the king of the Eros had had their own so that's the one featured in part one of the episode okay. uh uh, Carolina, the, the Gigantes did not have one. Um, I'm sure they, they probably do during the year. I would hope they do, but, yeah. um, yeah, I'm, I'm for it. You can tell whether it's based in that ownership with Daddy Yankee for, for Santorce that, um, yeah. yeah, the music is blasting. Uh, that's why not only because I don't speak Spanish well, I had to actually, um, shout out to, to Caitlin Merkel, who was an intern for me in, uh, Princeton and is now an ESL instructor, supervisor, something oh, um, cool. with the Peoria Sports Complex. I think if oh. I'm if I'm wrong, cool. um, then I'm wrong. But uh, I asked her in exchange for some American Ballpark merch and swag when we get to that point if she would translate that that first interview I did, and um, thankfully she came through clutch. 
because I would have had to have subtitled it anyway, just with the music blaring all right. the time. So, uh, but yeah, all for the the pep band. Um, it it's definitely a different baseball atmosphere. Um, it yeah it brings brings a, a different little something that that you're not expecting. And I uh, did know having watched Japanese games in the past that yeah it, it's a loud environment. Um, we all experienced watching uh, the shortened 2020 season how awkward of a, a deathly silent ballpark can be at yeah. the major league level. Mm-hmm. So um, seeing it in an even smaller setting in, in winter ball like that was, uh, that's pretty amazing stuff. So hopefully the band is a little bit bigger now that uh, hopefully they won't have capacity restrictions if right. we go back in the future. Right. Um, so you were talking about the Japanese league. And so what are your thoughts on the cheerleaders in the game like do you think that should come over to america as well for baseball i i i don't know i really don't know um just because it is um like i said it's a it's a cultural exchange it's a cultural difference some things translate better than other things um i think you ride on the line of political correctness um, yeah. in in this state of America when you attempt something like that. But the Savannah Bananas, who I heard their name far too often working for the Wilmington Sharks in the Coastal Plain League, sure. I um, now envy my uh, successors with the Wilmington Sharks because they don't get asked in a couple of years from now whether the bananas are playing there this year or not okay <laughs> um every time i said yeah i work for a, a team in the coastal plain league and people said oh that's the, the savannah bananas are they playing here this year and i would go no but we have a game on friday at seven o'clock and <laughs> our tickets are only 10 bucks so come yeah, and see us right because right. we play good quality baseball too yeah. um so yeah it i know they've done well with um the their grand what do they call them? The banana grandmas, granana, something oh, like okay, that. Yeah. They're, um, they're lovely older, older ladies who are basically their ballpark cheerleaders. Okay. So, um, I don't know if it's something that, that translate as, as well here, but I'm all, all for a ballpark pep band. I've heard, yeah. uh, from people who've been to world baseball classic games that that's kind of the atmosphere cool. that it takes on. It steals a little bit of that soccer atmosphere, um, like where it there's always you know there's that hesitation and that little bit of silence before a pitch especially at a pretty climactic moment but um yeah i think to, to have that would just add to it sure i don't know if cheerleaders translate or not right. i can i guess i mentioned charlie finley earlier he he tried his hardest to to do something similar i can i can assure you that okay. all right um all right yeah that's that's cool um what made you want to go to Madisonville, Kentucky for the second stop of the American Ballpark Road Trip? Yeah, yeah. For the second full episode, um, my commitment, it, it's kind of the mission statement if I were a nonprofit of uh, American Ballpark Road Trip is it's showcasing ballparks, communities, and teams of all levels. Yeah. So if you know, you show me a, a high quality high school field with some great on-field action, a great culture and some unique concessions items, I, I will go and see them. Um, so it's, yeah, that, that dedication to showcasing baseball and communities where 
you may not see it. Um, my, my idea is you can buy a subscription plan through Major League Baseball and see any Major League game. Yeah. With blackout restrictions and all that. Anybody can see a Major League game yeah. if they want to, especially if they're willing to pay for it now. But not very many people are even thinking the name Madisonville, Kentucky. Right. Um, just as as we encountered in minor league baseball, some people live in towns and migrate to towns and don't know they have a minor league team for five yeah. years and just yeah. discover the team and become great ambassadors in, in the public. But um, yeah, Madisonville, Kentucky, there is a purpose behind it. Um, my girlfriend's brother is a collegiate pitcher at Middle Tennessee State University. He was assigned there for the summer. Oh, cool. Uh, and um, I was kind of, I, I learned he was going there, kind of vice versa. I was putting out just jobs of things that I wanted to try in this transition period. And I got a call on an application I put in months beforehand. Hey, do you want to, do you want to come be a college summer league baseball coach? And I was like, I just took the job I took, yeah. but you know, I'll, I'll keep you, keep you in mind. And he said, well, and I'm like, I may know a few players who need some placement if they're doing their own calls like that. And right. the, the coach I had talked to said, well, Madisonville, Kentucky's looking for, for somebody. And it, the university that my, my girlfriend's brother attends and plays for, I had just gotten the same kind of call of Madisonville was looking for some pitchers for the summer. So that's where the seed was planted. Okay. And um, they had a weekend and decided let's produce an episode was looking at the ballpark. It was built by the, the WPA and the, the late thirties didn't get to be used, finished in 41 and uh, Elmer Kelly stadium there did not get to be used until after world war two. Okay. But, um, it's, it's a unique town. It's, it's a big little town for where it is in, uh, what used to be the big coal region of Kentucky and yeah, went and that was the Genesis of it kind of had that, that name planted from a job opportunity that may have come up to trying to get a player some experience. And then that's where the, the name was seated for me. And then, um, yeah, listening to games say, and hearing their advertisements of this is what Madisonville has to offer visitors. And okay. decided to go up and produce an episode there um, cool. because wanted to showcase all of baseball yeah. and, and baseball at all levels. Yeah, yeah. Again, I encourage the listeners to go, go check that out on YouTube. Um, when you were there, it rained and they had to put the tarp on the field. So my guess, I'm, I don't know this 100%, but my guess is that they have a very small front office. Um, so I, I wanted to know whose job was it to put on the tarp? Was it the players? Did they, ha did they have a bigger front office than I thought? Did they have volunteers? What's the, what's the deal there? No, uh, I can say from my experience, they have an amazing uh, board of directors and uh, they have a lady named uh, Trisha Noel, who is the team president slash general manager. And she is running around doing everything. Um, and she is she is an older lady, but she moves and, and does everything well. Okay. She knows her business side of baseball. Yeah. And um, so she was a great source of the ballpark there. But when it came to the actual tarp pool, it's summer ball. Uh, it's not minor league baseball where you yeah. have an affiliate telling the players, no, that's, that's a right. health risk. We don't, we don't want, uh, we don't want a, a Willie McGee incident or, uh, you know, an incident from, from major league baseball in the eighties with the tarp 
tarp rolling machine. So, yeah. uh, yeah, they're, they're college players. They're used to pulling a tarp for the most part. So that's what happened. Okay. Um, the unique thing about that is, uh, it was actually a lightning delay. There was no a de- kind of a deluge of rain came a monsoon just dropped on us after we had left the ballpark. Okay. Uh, before that, it was just a big lightning delay about 15 minutes. So mm. that's when I decided to shoot my, my merch feature for the game. And, um, so players will be players and entertain themselves. I think we, um, I ran out of memory card space. Uh, my girlfriend was with me for that. Obviously she wanted to go up and see her, her brother playing yeah. summer ball. But, um, one of the takes where it cut off, I was doing this merch feature and we have the opposing team. I think it was, they were playing Owensboro that night. Uh, so they, immediately i guess zoned in that oh there's somebody with a camera they're shooting something important so they start flexing in the background and 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 bodybuilding posing and everything and uh she's breaking down i do a bad take i cut it and she gets she goes they were really funny but i think you ran out of memory card space i was like oh that would have been a great blooper that's that's that extra content you always need um and that was right before they got the tarp on the field and the lightning delay. But uh, yeah, they do an amazing job up there. The interview for that episode is uh, Kent Mills, who is part of the board, but also a host parent. Yeah. Um, he had an amazing story that he told me before yeah, awesome. game. Um, he had lost a, I think he had lost a son maybe uh, several years ago and, and I had been a host family since the team came to town and the next father's day he received a ton of, of, mail and, and father's day cards from former players he had hosted so yeah. uh, but he was just a testament to how how well run of a team it is right. and how good of a community it is to have those people there but yes very very small front office staff so the players were pulling the tarp there and um they had enough players where i didn't feel bad like i did going to some some minor league games and, and saw tarp pulls where i wanted to jump on the field but then i realized oh i'm i, I would probably get stopped by security for that right. uh, no matter how how empathetic i am on my my stance there yeah yeah for sure <laughs> um so we do have a couple listener questions let me get that okay. pulled up here all right so tim lillis at the lillis on twitter he asked uh what's the weirdest part of doing business in the teeny tiny appy league footprint uh, the weirdest part of doing business, at least when I was there, I hope their demographics have, have diversified quite a bit uh, in terms of age because everybody who came to visit me, whether they were family, friends, they all noticed the same thing I noticed about the first two weeks I lived in Princeton, West Virginia. It's really hard to find anybody between like 19 years old and 50. Okay. Um, also very hard because my or the ballpark there honeycut field uh, there's two honeycut fields technically there's a football stadium that's honeycut field there's a baseball stadium that's honeycut field okay. as well um but being on a school campus we couldn't serve alcohol uh yeah, so i imagine imagine i would have found some some people a, a little more of of the the demographic age that minor league baseball is gearing toward now right. and have been the past few years but uh yeah it's tough doing business not only not being able to find your demographic uh being a, a small staff small very low budgeted team 
but also sharing season tickets with a team 15 minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. We had, it was me and Bluefield. um, And I, that was one of those things where, Oh, we don't have an, an online ticketing system. We're still tearing tickets off the roll. Um, I just discovered some ticket packs that I tore off because I, I had to tear off 35 tickets and put them in a bundle and sell them. Basically, if I saw somebody who saw me with Princeton gear on, um, but we had to have a different color coding system for our little ticket packs than Bluefield did because they were selling the same tickets with our logos on them too at a different price point in their ballpark or for a different section. So our reds were general, you know, for an example, our red tickets were GA and their red tickets were their box seats. But fans could use those at at the respective ballparks. So, uh, which, yeah, it's just, it, it was, it was odd, but I love the Appy League because a lot of those teams were either intended to be low level minor league teams to provide baseball to a community that, otherwise wouldn't have had it um and the appy league still still going strong as a college summer league so encourage people to go and and visit some beautiful ballparks out there um i personally worked in greenville and and princeton as well so i was a lot of the 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 ballparks of that level when i counted it up and i saw uh, are no longer pro ballparks but they're still worth visiting for right. college summer games too for sure so, uh, yeah it, it, it's just an odd place for for those little little quirks yeah, yeah i mean so like I don't go to games and get sloshed or anything like that, but I I do like to go to a game and have a couple beers mm-hmm. as a fan now that I have the chance. Um, but but yeah, that's so weird. Like to me, like there's nothing better than than a beer and a ball game, and that's just weird that you like you guys couldn't sell any alcohol whatsoever. It's strange. It probably had something to do with my. Um my intro tagline for the show uh, it's always you know sit back relax grab, grab your favorite ballpark brew and enjoy the trip yeah um so it you know you would think because people want that that atmosphere when they're watching they'll want to kick their feet up sit back relax have their have their favorite ballpark brew whether it's uh a, a shandy a summer shandy or whether uh, depending where there are um you know it's the local brew or yeah um, I know in in um, Burlington we were uh, definitely a bush bush light town. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that probably had part of part of why I worked that into the the intro. Sure. Into every episode. Absolutely, you got to man. Um, so Tim also asked, and I I don't know if you've been to both of these places or not, um, but he said worst smell on the road in the Midwest League. The dog food plant in Clinton or sugar cereal in Battle Creek? Oh, I actually um, probably horrible. It may have been just part of being a small staff. I I remember listening to um, the episode with, um, was it Tyler Omen? Maybe it was with, with Clinton and he was yeah. talking about the, the smell there. So um I did not get to personally experience it. Okay. I, I did. Um, it's rough. I can, <laughs> I can kind of, kind of relate. I, I didn't get to experience either of those smells, but um, there was. Um, I don't know why it stuck with me. In um, Quincy, Illinois, I can't remember what type of plant there was. Whenever 
because gas prices are higher in Illinois. It's right across from Hannibal, Missouri. And okay. our owners actually owned Quincy and had the concessions contract in Hannibal when Hannibal oh, had a team. Yeah. So I, I used to be all out for helping them in concessions because I could go to the Missouri side of the border and buy cheaper gas. Okay. Um, because I was living on a budget there too. It was sure. still, it may have been summer league, but it was still minor league baseball of a sort. So, um, but there was just something that I hit a spot and I don't know if it was a couple miles where it was like industrial plant smell, just, okay. you know, like, um, and for some reason that has stuck with me over time. I didn't get to go to Hannibal that often. So, uh, it's just one of those things of, man, I, this doesn't look look great or this doesn't remember very well when you know Hannibal had had flood problems in the ballpark and service problems and things like that and that team eventually moved in there in O'Fallon Illinois Ma O'Fallon Missouri now my bad and uh, so yeah there's there's that but also I lived in Iowa I spent the first 17 years of my life in Missouri so uh fresh manure does not hold a special place in my heart no. <laughs> um and that 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 mental connection but um but yeah, being able to, uh, I can say the good, the co good corn smell. Now that I've been twice, we went on our first road trip, my grandfather and I, and then I went back in 2020 to the, uh, field of dreams movie site yeah. in Dyersville. So yeah. that's, um, kind of a fresher corn smell where oh, yeah. you're like, Oh, you're, you're, you're getting somewhere special. It's part of the environment there. For sure. Yeah. Um, that's an amazing place to go. I've been there myself. Um, but I guess I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show or not, but, um, the Delmarva Shorebirds was the last stop in my minor mm -hmm. league baseball career. And if the wind's blowing just right, it doesn't, doesn't happen super often. It, I mean, it still happens even in this town where I live now, and it's still 30 minutes away from the ballpark. If the wind is just right, um, there's chicken plants all across the Delmarva ah. Peninsula, and so that's that's the smell you get mm -hmm. here here yeah. in Delmarva, but um, yeah, not not ideal. <laughs> but, yeah, that uh, that internship in the Mink League, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas. Even though there hasn't been a Kansas team for years, um, that that I worked in 2014 as an unpaid intern assistant GM took all of this information that I'd collected over years of being a minor league baseball fan and going to ballparks, and and took it to this little college summer league which that was originally supposed to be the initial pilot site. I went okay. and scouted it and um, was trying to do a little bit of a update to my play-by-play -play, uh, portfolio, but went and scouted it and then ended up moving away and haven't had the chance to go back and do it. But um, so, yeah, there was a, you know, turkey barn, so to speak, and I had to drive about 30 miles every day. And so, yeah, ended up... Um, that was my marker of even if, even if I'm worn out from the night before, this is where I got to make that turn off the highway and head towards Sedalia yeah. driving from the town I grew up in in Missouri. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, where can the listeners find you online? You're, you're a little bit of everywhere, um, but but yeah, just tell them where, where they can tune in and all that. Yeah, I uh, my personal one, I, I do a lot of career insight stuff on on linkedin and i'm always welcome to have people interested in working in the sports industry not just in baseball um, connect with me on linkedin where i'm nicholas h carry because it's linkedin it's um facebook 
very CEOs from, from another podcast as, as I've um, heard it. Um, but so it's Nicholas H. Carey on LinkedIn, um, Nick Henry Carey on Facebook. And then my Twitter handle is Nick Carey 1776. Um, a, because I'm patriotic B because those, when I, I set it up right out of high school. Those were my my two sports numbers. So okay. uh, the show itself is American Ballpark Road Trip. I just started an Instagram for the show because yeah. when you're creating content, you got that much to show off. You got to do it in a visual medium like Instagram. So yeah. it's American Ballpark Road Trip. And then on Twitter, the handle is at AMBallparkRT. And Facebook, it's uh, just a page that I run called American Ballpark Road Trip. So uh, the YouTube channel is American Ballpark Road Trip, if I haven't said that you know, <laughs> 10 times in a row now. But um, yeah, I'm trying to do a lot more of the behind the scenes stuff on, on Instagram just to give people an idea of um, you can kind of create content anywhere and and um you have to be authentic and genuine with it but uh yeah have a new episode uh in post-production since i started the instagram i gotta switch out some titles but it will be a two-parter from evansville indiana okay so first independent league game but they were also having a league of their own night so super timely with uh the movie's 30th anniversary the show just coming out on amazon prime and uh they had a league of their own night at the ballpark because bossy field was the home of the Racine bells in the original movie. And uh, a lot of people there's, there's some insights into that. A lot of people served as, as extras and we, we met a lot of people going around town there, but Evansville is a great town to visit as well. And then this, not this past weekend, but the weekend before produced or yeah, produced uh, need to put together an episode from Rome, Georgia, and they're nice. the Class A affiliate of the Rome Braves. Yeah. They're, they're the Rome Braves, and they're Class A affiliate of the Braves. But okay. um, that is a town you don't expect to have not only a great ballpark and a great ballpark experience, but there's just so much to see around there. So okay. that episode will come out pretty soon. And trying to get one more in, not sure I'm, if I'm going to get it done with my schedule, but um, have four episodes, three full ones in a, in a mini sewed out um, on the YouTube page now and hopefully more to come and maybe some more this winter looking at some some other sites and, and uh, games on the schedule as well for that. All right. Awesome, man. Um, so I know you listen to the show. Uh, you know I end each episode with the same question. What's the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard during your minor league baseball career and whose was it? Oh, um, I think when I first came on the show, it was uh, Chris Stapleton's song. I think it was Traveler, and I think a player named Morgan McCullough used it. Okay. Um, but I think he was released not too long into the year after that, maybe. Uh, I know he's having a great independent career with the Kansas City Monarchs of the American Association now. Yeah. But um, I'd say in in theme with the uh, the episode talking so much about our explorations in Puerto Rico, pretty much anything by uh, Daddy Yankee because All he's right. a Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican Winter League owner with the Kangareros de Santurce. Um, we didn't get to see him at the ballpark, but I watched... Um, the, the league finals on, um, I think Roachku has a channel that carries them. And oh, cool. um, even though the King Guerreros weren't in the postseason tournament anymore, they were still playing commercials for them saying, 
Daddy Yankee's one of our owners. You got to come to the ballpark. All Check right. out our gear and our merch because Daddy Yankee wears it on stage. So cool. uh, we heard Gasolina a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, any anything with, with him just because I know he's tied into the league now. Um, yeah. So I'd say that was probably... Yeah, the music is the best part, and that was probably the most fun I had in terms of soundtracking the episode. Um, that that first pair of episodes, um, not only yeah, you know, what's this exploration music, but also, okay, I can't get copyright infringement stuff from Daddy Yankee, but if it's in the background of video and I'm talking, right. all the better for me because it's good yeah. music. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the Pulling Tart Podcast again. Really appreciate it, and um, yeah, man, keep doing the American Ballpark Road Trip. I I love it. I'm sure the listeners will love it too, and uh, yeah, man, just just keep on um, putting out that good content. Yeah, I appreciate it. Just trying to be the ballpark Rick Steves is what I tell people, so nice. hopefully I'll get to that level one day. Um, be on, on PBS with, with Wishbone and, and Rick Steves. will probably still be creating content with, <laughs> with me, so sure. uh, I appreciate it, Bobby. Thanks so much for having me on again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look out for it. Listen to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries, to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear. But we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast. 